You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club, Track FM's local watering hole, where we talk about all of the franchises we love that, well, don't have anything to do with Star Trek. And I am just one of those here, as you all know, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is almost every single week, is the incomparable Christy Morris. Are you ladies man 217? <laughs> <laughs> It was a typo. I just rolled with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. I have to have a thing every week that comes from the movie because it makes me laugh. And so that's my thing this time. There's a lot of them in this movie, too, I think. Yeah. Well, this was before Shia LaBeouf was crazy. Yes. It's funny that you say that because I literally said the same thing to my wife. (laughs) I turned to her and I said, oh, this is before he went crazy. And he was still, you know, like... He's a good actor. I know. It, you know, he was great in uh, Holes as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, he's very good in this. I, I personally always enjoyed him in Indiana Jones. So and even Stevens. You know, it, yeah, even Stevens. Exactly. So I mean, you know, he was definitely a kid who had a bright future in front of him, and and seems to um, have found the deep end of life so (laughs) anyway but um, we're not here to talk about Shia LaBeouf's career we're going to be talking about Michael Bay's first Transformers movie and before before you like start sending us emails we're not going to be covering the whole series we just thought it would be fun to cover this one um, especially since in a few weeks Bumblebee is coming out on for home release, and we will talk about that one here a little bit later in the year. I think on the schedule right now, it's in July is when Correct. we're going to be getting to it. So, um, But yeah, we figured it would be fun to talk about. And it's interesting because, I, have you seen Bumblebee, by the way? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's interesting because there are, watching this movie, I feel like they did a very good job of paying attention. So... Uh, and to this one to make them, you know, fit together relatively well. So, but before we get into the movie, of course, you know, don't forget, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you're subscribed so you get the show as soon as it drops. And of course, uh, you know, give us uh, a rating and review wherever you are, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It does really help people find the show. It also, um, you know, helps the show grow uh, because it uh, helps us uh, turn up and and rankings you know when when people search for different shows and so uh, you can also find us on twitter at trek fm we're on facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm you can find us online at trek.fm and then of course we have the listeners only discussion group now that's called the babel conference it's housed on a facebook type babel into the search field there or you can also um, go over to the website at trek.fm and click discussion on any of the menu bars on any of the show pages you'll find and then 
maybe you would like to send an email to Christy and I. We love getting emails, so don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, and you can do that at truck.fn slash contact. Choose a show. Choose the 602 Club. And then that email comes to Christy and I. So, Christy, I was really interested in, in this because... You know, I know you're younger than I am. And no way. So I wondered if, for you, you were a Transformers fan, you know, when you were a kid. I didn't know if maybe in your siblings or you had the toys, if you watched the cartoon at all, um, or if, if this was something that was even on your radar as a kid. It wasn't actually, I know, shocker, uh, shame on me, but uh, I actually was more into Hot Wheels and Barbie as a kid. Strange combination, I know, but I I did not have Transformers on my <laughs> Barbie's radar. got to make those getaways. I know. Um, but I was, I was actually, I'm going to tell you my age, I was born in 87. So I was born a year after the original Transformers animated movie, um, and... It, I don't know how, but my parents just didn't really teach me about it. But I did um, find out more about it recently, of course, when this movie came out. Um, and that was the first time I had ever seen anything about Transformers. Yeah, no, I think, you know, that's that's really interesting to me because um, I, you know, obviously grew up during that time period being born in 79. And it the Transformers animated movie I missed, but I did see some of the animated TV show. Mm. And of course, you know, you've got the toy line from Hasbro. And unfortunately, um, I was not uh, from a family that had a lot of money. So I had the knockoffs, um, uh, GoBots instead of Transformers, but they did the same thing. So I never actually really had any Transformers toys either because we just couldn't afford them. They were more expensive. Yeah. And so, but I always thought that they were fun. And so I remember, um, you know, when this movie was going to come out, I thought to myself, it's honestly not a really bad idea for a movie. You know, to 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 do this, especially with where computer animation was at the time. You know, um, when we're talking about them doing this, you know, it's like 2005 to to 2006 because the movie comes out in 2007. So, you know, it's it's really not an awful idea to to do this. You, you could do it really well. It could be really fun. Um, you know, I was kind of excited to to see this come out. Did you see this in the theater when it came out? Oh, yeah. I remember uh, that, that was my like senior year of high school, freshman year of college. And so I definitely went with friends. Um, and I've seen it many times since then. Um, I was definitely, a, obviously, a Shia LaBeouf fan um, at the time. And um, and I got to say, Megan Fox. But uh, you can say, you know, you can tell now that she's had a little bit of work done. But um she still looks good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Who wasn't a fan of Megan Fox back in the day? So. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I just, I really enjoyed it for um, bringing to life the stuff that before I never knew about. And then it really introduced me to that whole world of what Transformers were and made me go back and look into the source material. So um, I, I really, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's the thing for me too that I really enjoyed about it. And, and it's still something where, you know, we're going to have to go back now and I think watch the 
animated movie, you know, to see what we think of that, that because it was such a big deal, you know, um, you know, that's a, that's a seminal movie for a lot of people. And, and, you know, I have friends of mine who still absolutely adore that movie and that, you know, they are my age or older, you know? So, and I, I think that's really cool. It just shows you how these things can stick with you. And so, um, you know, I, it's interesting to me because one of the things that stuck out to me, because I, like you, I've seen this movie a lot of times because it was definitely a movie, you know, once it came out on uh, Blu-ray or whatever, it was one to watch because it looked really good, you know, and, and it was kind of one of those w- uh, m- movies that could show off, you know, mm-hmm. the HD TV and a Blu-ray player. And, um, but it was just a fun movie to watch. And, and something that stuck out to me, though, this time is I really, I was just kind of watching it for and, and seeing how it all played out now, trying to like remove myself from whether I've liked the movie in the in the in the you know past. And I was kind of struck by how well the storyline plays together like just the ideas that they have in the story and i just really liked that you know the fact that you've had this all-consuming war on cybertron and to to keep uh the decepticons from getting the allspark they just jettison it into space and it lands on our planet and it intertwines you know sam witwicky's family mm-hmm. to the allspark and to the Transformers all together. And to me, um, I was like, this is just taking this. I'm not taking into account any of the other films that they do, but just this movie. This movie reminds me a lot of, because I just rewatched it as well, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, the first one. Oh. It's very tightly done. And it's it's uh, they they take everything that's good about this subject matter. There it's pirates. Here it's transformers, and they kind of throw it all in. And it almost seems like there's no thought to there ever being a sequel to this. And you don't get that that sense of like, oh, we're just trying to create a franchise. It just feels like they're trying to make a great Transformers movie and not worried about anything else. And I think that's something that, um, as I was rewatching this, the, the storyline here, I really was like, wow, if the, if I didn't know, which I wish I didn't, that there were any other Transformers movies, mm-hmm. this is just such a great whole story. Like, I don't need anything else. And, and it's because I feel like they do such a good job of throwing a lot of the lore of the Transformers in here and creating something really cool. And I love that you said that it's like they weren't trying to just create a franchise because it definitely feels contained. Like everything you would need to know for this universe, you know, from this movie and you wouldn't necessarily need a sequel. It could have just ended where it was and just always been a great movie. Um, And it's been a while since I've seen the other ones, so I'm going to take your word on that for the rest of them for now. But um, I just, I, I do feel like it was great for the time for the computer graphics. Um, and it, although it got a little shaky cam sometimes for me, I think that you kind of need that when it's a heavy action movie anyway. I don't really see a huge way around that. Um and I felt like the story was very compelling in an emotional way. It, it had a lot of stakes to keep you intrigued and to constantly have you up and down. And 
in the fight you felt like with um, Sam every time. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that because the, the the kind of emotional stakes of the film, because, you know, one of the things that Spielberg talked about with, with Michael Bay once he decided to direct this was this idea that he felt like the end for the movie was that this is a story about a boy in his car. Yeah. You know, and this is, you know, that kind of classic Americana. And it kind of brings me all the way back to thinking about, you know, um, cars and boys in america and when you think of like um the way they impact our society you know and how intertwined they've become you know teenagers and cars mm-hmm. as, you know specifically not sexlessly but just you know boys and as teenagers getting their first car you know and and it made me think of george lucas's uh, american graffiti yep. you know you really see that relationship between the boys and their cars and so this movie being about that and and doing that kind of you know in many ways it that classic 80s thing where it's that coming of age story yep. for a character a teenage character um and i think that's something that's it, i think it does play out very well in this that the story is wrapped up in you know the the character arc for sam but also uh, allowing megan fox's michaela to be a part of that as well and you know moving them from one point in their teenage life to a a point that's much more like there's a maturity level that has come you know like they've moved it seems like they've moved past some of the classic teenage things more towards a, a more adult type of of understanding of the world and something bigger and mm-hmm. you know it's just all of that i think it does a really good job of playing to that that this is a story that yes surrounded by decepticons and you know autobots and um all sparks and the u.s military coming in and all these things that really does boil down to the story about you know a boy moving into manhood you know and finding a way to do that and i think you know for me one of the the keys to that really has to do with you know, you you get um, the Witwicky motto, which is no sacrifice, no victory. And I thought that, you know, that's the big part of the story here because you really get that theme of like, what are you, you know, are you are you willing to sacrifice um, for something you want? You know, um, Sam in the beginning tried to get trying to get a car, mm-hmm. um, but it becomes about so much more than that. And so you see all of these different characters that will go throughout the story to sacrifice for this idea. You know, you get the Secretary of Defense sacrificing pride to ask for help from people that he wouldn't normally ask for from, you know, hackers. The young people. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like Glenn and Maggie. Um, you know, you see Agent Simmons from Sector 7 sacrificing to ask for help from somebody like Sam, you know. Well, and even just as simple as uh, Captain Lennox, who's Josh Duhamel, him you know the the whole thing about the military and their sacrifice every day of you know being away from their families in order to serve a greater good i think is a nice thing to have in here yeah i think that's huge um and i you know on top of that i think this is one of those movies that i really appreciate and um i think michael bay can do a good job of this cuz he also did like 13 hours which was fantastic film 
you know, he gets a lot of flack for some of the bad movies he's made. But I think one of the things that I really appreciate about him and, you know, having being married to somebody who is in the army, I appreciate movies where the military is seen as good. You know, like right. they're not the dummies and they're not evil. Not just the they war are trying to. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I really appreciated about this movie that, like you said, they're one of the key focuses of when we're talking about sacrifice, you know, um, and and that we we see them play that out um, throughout the whole movie. So, you know, I just and I think, you know, this is a story, too, where you, you also see, you know, obviously you you've got Optimus Prime who is willing to sacrifice his life if he has to to make sure that the all spark is destroyed so that the Decepticons can not remake our planet in their own image Mm -hmm. you know so that's i I just uh, to me i was really i was really struck by how well this this story i feel like plays out in the movie um and i you know i just like the little nods you know like that all of our technology comes from reverse engineering megatron you know right (laughs) that kind of (laughs) yeah that kind of stuff is really fun um and so yeah to me this i think I think this movie does a good job with the story of being outlandish enough and embracing what it means to have these type of, you know, beings in our world, but not being so outlandish that you, it it feels too crazy even for Transformers characters, you know, Mm -hmm. like they, and I think part of that is the the structure of the story, um, the tightness of the story, I think, and the way in which, um, like, you know, again, I think bringing in the military and making them a presence and making them um, partners with them, with, uh, you know, the Autobots is a really strong way to do that. I really appreciated that. And I was wondering if you noticed um, the two things that it felt like to me this movie had sections that were inspired by. Um, the whole scene with the scorpion-like Autobot, or not Autobot, Decepticon that's in the desert with them felt like a scene from Tremors. Yeah, yeah. It's coming up and down out of the ground and everybody's freaking out. And then some of the music, even um, just the, you know, the instrumental and the score um, reminded me of Top Gun. Sort of the, yeah. you know, no, scenes when they're on the aircraft carriers and everything. It, it just, certain sounds, since that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I went, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a good, that, uh, and I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, you know, that something that is really cool about this movie. And I think one of the things that, that Michael Bay was able to do, and I think part of this has to do with the fact that, you know, Steven Spielberg is the executive producer but you do get that that sense that this kind of feels like one of those 80s action films. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't lose, like, I, I agree with you, as we've been talking about, I don't think it loses its heart. Like, it, it it's not just action for, for action's sake. There is over-the-top spectacle in this movie. Yeah. Um, and there are some things that I don't think work in the movie, but... For the most part, I think they do a good job of kind of capturing what made so many of those great action movies from the 80s, you know, popular, whether it's Die Hard or, you know, um, like you mentioned, a Top Gun or something where it's 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 
it's about the people in the movie as much as it is about the action in the movie. Right. And I think part of that has to do with the cast. You know, I, I think... I think Shia LaBeouf is was the perfect character, you know, to to play Sam and his like kind of like nervous energy that he brings to the movie. And I just I, I think he's funny, you know. Yeah. The, his line delivery is good, and um, you know the 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 I think there are some there's some moments where I, I feel like. Bay is able to kind of capture what it's like to be a teenage boy pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, especially one who is, you know, um, going after the girl that's probably, you know, out of his league. And or at that, least he thinks she that is. whole. At least he thinks she's out of his league anyway. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that whole experience in that. And I just I think that Shia LaBeouf is able to play. He's able to play the the, the guy that's cool but he's not always cool in a way that makes him popular, right? Right. Um, and I, yeah, he's just, he's, I forgot how much I really like him in this movie. Yeah, I like him, especially in uh, the scene where the Autobots are around his house trying to tell him to hurry and they're hiding. <laughs> that back and forth was the best part of the yeah. whole movie to me. Um Aside from the the emotional pull they have between him and Bumblebee, I think you mm-hmm. said it perfect when you're talking about just uh, a guy growing up and having his first car. But there's also that feeling of sort of like Bumblebee is his pet. Um, that the dog is just kind of there, but that Bumblebee becomes like his real best friend. And so that's why it's so sad when you feel like Bumblebee, when he's being frozen is like sort of like he's dying. I felt like, Oh my gosh, Bumblebee's dying. And I was really sad about it the first time. Um, but you know, obviously now, you know, after you've seen it a few times that he makes it through. Okay. Um, but it, yeah, I think that, Shia LaBeouf was perfect for this role because he wasn't someone that you immediately think is going to be the hero. And then he ends up being the, you know, unexpected hero who comes out and saves the day um, along with all of the Autobots as well. Yeah, I like that, too, because I think, you know, at the beginning of the movie, there's there's kind of um, there's kind of there's that teenage selfishness to him. Right. You know, he's worried about trying to just get his car. He's worried about trying to impress the girl and, you know, basically all these things revolve around him, mm-hmm. you know, and yet throughout the movie, he gets continually challenged to put other people before himself to the point which, you know, he's hanging off, you know, on a angel statue on the top of a building telling a giant robot that he's never going to give them that all spark no matter if it costs him his life, you know, right. there's such a progression of that character to go from that place. And I think, you know, the moment when it really rings true and it's a silly moment, but it's also a really important moment is when he's negotiating with sector seven and he, he makes sure that Michaela's record is taken care of like forever. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really awesome moment because instead of him continually you know, doing the teenage thing where he's being angry at her for not telling him about her past. He accepts her past and then he he uses his leverage to make sure that her past is wiped clean, to give her a clean slate. Which is the mature thing to do. That was a really cool, 
Yeah. I mean, talk about romantic gesture. <laughs> I know. If someone's willing to clear clear your name, yeah. But I, I mean, I totally get the appeal, I had to say, of the car thing. Even though it's a Camaro, my favorite is the Corvette and will always be pretty much any Corvette ever. I'd be curious to know what your favorite car is. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, I, that's one of the things that they definitely do in this movie where they change the fact that Bumblebee is not a Beetle. He's a Camaro and, you know, in a beat up Camaro for a lot of the movie, too, which I think is, you know, I don't it doesn't really bother me all that much. But part of that is because I wasn't like uh, inundated with the Transformers to the point where that would make me angry. And it's actually interesting because in retrospect now, having seen Bumblebee, I'll be interested to talk about you with that, where he is the Beetle. And, you know, he obviously makes the transfer from that. And so, um, but in many ways, you could you can understand, too, why these these beings might transfer vehicles so that nobody can track them, you know? Right. Um, they can become anything they want to be. That's how they can yep. scan any vehicle and then become that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I really appreciate that. Um, and it, it doesn't bother me, but no. As for my, you know, favorite car, I always wanted a Mustang GT500. So, ah, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, what did you think of M- Megan Fox as Michaela? Well, I did also think that she was beautiful. I mean, I think anybody could objectively say that. But I do think that she played a good heroine in the fact that she was so casual about everything until it got to the point that it mattered. And then you felt like as a character and as an actress that she was more invested in what was going on. Um, Because, you know, at first she's like just accepting a ride home doesn't really give a crap about Sam. Um, but the more that she gets to know him, she realizes that he's not just like all those other guys and that maybe he is actually just a good person who's genuinely interested in her. Um, you know, not just her physical appearance and that, you know, it was so adorable when they were talking about how she knows about cars and that he kept having all those Freudian slips because I was totally that person. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, I I do. I like her in this movie. And I actually, I think that one of the things that the movie does well is to take her from kind of like feeling like a damsel in distress Mm -hmm. to being somebody who in the end is just as powerful as anybody else on screen and is using their abilities for the betterment of others. You know, she uses her uh, abilities to help save Bumblebee. She uses her abilities to help save the soldiers, you know, with Bumblebee. Uh, you know, and I think that's that's good. You know, um, I wanted to ask you because I know that I've heard this criticism of the of her character, and people get in arms about the fact they feel like she's over sexualized. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you felt that way. No, I never felt that way. I felt like it was trying to depict what it's like to be in high school, both from her perspective of like. I want to be cute. And these are the things that I like to wear that make me feel cute. And then, you know, also that um, guys kind of are in that standpoint of you're all in high school and you're at the point where your hormones are the highest. And I mean, it's just how it is. I felt like it wasn't 
overly sexualized at all. It was something that I was talking about, you know, I was talking about with my wife and, you know, we were talking about like the lake scene and everything. And she was like, she's at the lake. Of course she's dressed like that. Right. You know, like, you know, and And it's probably summer and. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, and look, I think that the, the, there is that again, it, it feels very much like that kind of classic eighties movie. There is that, that tension, that, sexualized tension between two teenage kids in this movie you know um and i think that's definitely part of it but you know i think the thing that is really neat about the way that they use their relationship is that you know the biggest part of their relationship has nothing to do with their attraction to each other their their relationship becomes more about that having the adventure together You know, because when he says to her, you know, 50 years from now, do you want to say you didn't have the guts to get in the car? You know, that's not about like, did you want to get in the car and then you got laid? Right. It's we got in the car and we went and had an incredible adventure together, something that you, you know, you never thought possible. And this becomes so much more about that. And I think one of the things that we see is that they before, you know, because they don't kiss until the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, so there's, they don't have any of those moments really. Their relationship continues to build throughout the movie and their respect for one another, I think, continues to build throughout the movie um, because they see what the other is willing to do. And each of them in the end is willing to lay down their life for the other person. And I think that's, you know, talk about like when you're building a relationship with somebody, I don't know of a better foundation than knowing that that person might, you know, lay down their life for me. That's, that's pretty good. That, I think that's a, that, that's a strong foundation. I would agree with that. It even kind of, I mean, really the him saying that in the moment, it kind of felt cheesy, that dialogue, but I get what they were going for. And it felt to me kind of like Aladdin where he re- reaches out his hand and says, do you trust me before he pulls around to the magic carpet? You know, it, it let's go on an adventure. Let's do something crazy and unknown, but trust me and we'll get through it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. It is that Aladdin moment where it's they are embarking on a whole new world together you know and they go on that journey together and that's that's kind of fun and and, you know i think that both of them play off each other well and i enjoy you know megan fox in this movie and i think i you know i mean i obviously enjoy shia labeouf so um the two the two main soldiers we get are josh dumel um and Tyrese Gibson and I forgot how much I love both of these guys in this movie because yeah. like Josh is like just you know he's kind of like the straight guy you know and Tyrese is just he's just really 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 he's funny um, but there's an intensity about him and I just I really liked both of these guys and I liked the way they're both portrayed in this movie of being smart competent men doing their job in the military and and being people that we can trust you know as we mentioned earlier like the military is not something to joke at they're they're actually helpful you know the, mm-hmm. the military doesn't end up being the bad guys here 
And, and I love, especially in the scene where they're having that argument with Sector 7 and Duhamel and uh, yeah. Tyrese pull out their weapons and they're just like, okay, tell us what the heck is going on because this is not going to continue. We've got to make a plan and stick to it. Can't be any of this, well, you know, that's classified anymore because we're all in the same place now and we've got to figure out what to do. So, yeah, I, I loved them. I think it was a big deal for both of their characters that they were just a few of the sole survivors of the first attack. Um, and especially that uh, Duhamel ends up getting to go home to meet his baby for the first time and see his wife again, I thought was a really touching moment to have at the end. Um, you don't get to see where Tyrese goes. I kind of would have liked to see a little bit more of him, but uh I think, too, it, I, I love them in the scene where they're testing the alien tech from that scorpion-like Decepticon, yeah. <laughs> and it coils on its own. Uh, yes, and that scene, too, where they're trying to get the call through to the Pentagon, and like he's like, it's in the, it's in the back pocket. You have a lot of pockets. <laughs> left cheek, left, left cheek. cheek. That just, in that in really intense moment, which... I, you know, that that whole moment there where they're making the call seems a little ridiculous, but I was doing some research and I found out that Michael Bay actually based that off a story that a soldier told him in, um, when he was doing some research for another project. So that that kind of thing had actually happened. So, you know, obviously they make it very humorous, but... Um, that's kind of interesting to hear that they you like that that had happened that that was so. a real story some guy is calling for backup on the field and he reaches like yeah. a telemarketer and is like well i'm gonna need a credit card yeah <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine what that charge was like so and sir have i told you um, about our premium plan <laughs> the other thing too that i really liked about uh lennox's character and i love the little speech that he gives to sam you know he said he, he hands them the all spark he's like you have to take this you're a soldier now mm -hmm. you know and he gives him that mission and that's that moment where you know sam really takes all of this on his shoulders to do what he has to do and to, to do what everybody is doing in this situation, which is to put their life on the line to make sure that the this doesn't fall into the Decepticons' hands and the rest of the world, you know, gets taken over. And I really actually appreciated, you know, we got the moment where, you know, we see them turn the little Nokia phone into basically, you know, like a zombie hellion robot but then we actually see what happens when the all spark gets a little bit loose and you know the coke machine comes to life and is i guess shooting you coke know. cans at people yeah which <laughs> that would hurt so much right? but i just i i liked you know putting all that together i think that was one of those things where it's like it helped accentuate why we're doing this you know it was a good moment to be able to do that when everybody could possibly die <laughs> yeah, and I mean when they're they're just showing in general the AllSpark could be this incredible power for good or for evil and that it, all of the things that it could create just from our own um regular modern day technology like a cell phone could suddenly become this thing that kills you. I and I mean yeah. it was adorable even though it was a murderous tiny machine. <laughs> That's true. And it would have killed you in your sleep. So. Yeah. But I did need to mention, though, talking about 
the tiny robots for a second. Frenzy, I think, was a character all his own. The one that from the very beginning is morphing into like a CD player and hacking into the system, I thought was brilliant and always made me laugh. They did a good job of kind of playing some of that silliness with them. And I, I liked that too. So yeah. um, there are a couple of characters that are kind of minor characters, but you know, um, Rachel Taylor is Maggie and Anthony Anderson is Glenn. Um, I think this might've been the first time that I had seen Rachel Taylor in anything. Um, I enjoyed their banter back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoyed um, their scenes with John Voight as, you know, the secretary of defense, especially, you know, when they were at sector seven trying to save their own lives and everybody else's. Um, and I thought that they were, they're just strong casting choices to play side characters, but they were able to bring them to life in a way that makes them memorable, which is always, I think, the hallmark of saying, yeah, you cast the right person in that smaller role. Yeah, I noticed a lot of people that I've seen since in other TV shows or movies in this movie that play side characters that I can't even name them all. But uh, I know that eventually Rachel Taylor will see in Jessica Jones. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, And I was going, oh my gosh, that's where I recognize her from. Uh, But yeah, I I think that both with the dialogue and picking people with the right personality to really give it some life, they did that with both of these characters, um, with their banter, especially when they get caught by the FBI. And he's going, don't tell them anything. They're going to come in and play good cop, bad cop, and you just got to keep quiet. And then as soon as they lay the folder on, he's like, she did it all. I loved it. Yeah, that was, I thought that was very funny. Um, and I also thought that, you know, they just did a good job, you know, in this movie of kind of creating a diverse cast, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you have a, a cast across the spectrum. And so I, I really appreciated them and doing that. And, you know, Glenn and Maggie get to be strong characters in their own right, you know, in, in very, very different ways. Um, but, you know, th- no nonsense, willing to to do whatever it takes to to make sure that they keep us safe, you know. Um, and what you see from like Glenn at the beginning, where he's running away from the police at his house that have come, um, you know, you just don't expect that character to then do what they do uh, in that bunker, putting you know everything in the line to make sure that they get the call out, so you know they can they can get the the right planes in the air Mm -hmm. to help support the rest of the team you know um it's just it's it's they're good and i think again i don't end up thinking a lot about them other than the fact that i i noticed them i think they just did a good job with the roles that they were given so i really appreciated them um i also really enjoyed um agent simmons yeah, um, I think it, I think they do a good job of creating a um, kind of a foil for Sam, and it's funny because I feel like there's this jealousy, like that Simmons is is almost jealous of Sam 
getting to have these experiences, you know, and he's been working for Sector 7, you know, forever. And he's never had anything like this happen um, to him. And he's also just not as cool as Sam. So I, I thought they did a good job kind of playing them back and forth. I think he definitely is the characteristic um agent that's been in this role for a long time and feels like he's seen it all and then why does this you know punk kid in high school get more action than he's getting and i i think that it was so funny that they handcuff him and his partner and in the in his underwear um and then later he ends up keeps coming back um i i already loved john turturro anyway from uh ever since i saw mr deeds um he's just a really good character actor he can really become a role and just make you believe it and he's so funny so i i I was thrilled to see him come in as simmons and then later for them to you know cause him to have to back down finally not only that but to see him turn and then work with them you know Mm -hmm. like that um and that's kind of the thing i think i liked about like him and you know the the secretary of defense played by john voight you know that these characters they it doesn't become that cliched thing of where they just won't believe or they're not going to help because it's not their idea or, you know, they're they're not the ones um, basically in charge anymore in, in that sense. You know, they, they they this is they realize this is too big for that kind of attitude, you know, mm-hmm. and become willing to then help those around them. And I think, you know, both of them do a very good job of playing the role. And, you know, John Voight brings just a gravitas to the role. So you kind of believe him as somebody who could be like a secretary of defense. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I liked that a lot um, about both of them, honestly. Um, you know, John Turturro is a little bit more on the silly side for a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the, I feel like the movie also knew with all of these characters is when to make them like transition to when we're just going to be serious. And I feel like, you know, like the last 30 minutes of the movie, it's much, you know, everybody kind of transitions well into the serious mode. You know, Right. This like, is not the time to be so, goofy anymore. Right. Which is why his parents disappear <laughs> at that point in the movie, which <laughs> is good because, you know, um, I think they're really funny in the movie. And they're used just enough. If there had been any more of them, it would have gotten old. Yeah, because, I mean, eventually, especially if it's going to be sort of a coming-of-age story, you need to have him leave the parents and learn how to forge his path on his own and not be so reliant on mom and dad. So I like that they went away from them, but also because I think the characters were designed to be annoying because as a teenager, especially, you think your parents know nothing and you just wish they would stop talking already and give you the car. So I think they were perfect in fulfilling their part in the story. And like you said, Matt, I agree. Keeping them minimal was better. Um, but Kevin Dunn is always funny. And I think is, I mean, feels like the typical dad to me. The moment... <laughs> It's still, I still love the moment where he drives him into the Porsche dealership and he's like, no, 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 dad. And he's like, no, of course I'm not getting you a Porsche. Like, not now, not ever. And you're it's insane. Just, it's, yes. So, so great. That, that's, 
just a fantastic parent type moment. Like, mm-hmm. no, of course that's not happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, that's one of the things that in some of the subsequent movies they will do is give them even a larger role, and it's just a mistake. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, they were funny in the first movie, but that doesn't need mean they need more to do. Probably means they need less to do, you know, but lots of times people learn the, the wrong the wrong lessons from movies. Oh, that was, everybody loved that. Let's give them twice as much of it, you know, instead of realizing why it works, which is usually it works because it's done in some sense of a moderation, especially with characters like this. And it's not about them. It's about the Transformers and Sam growing into a man. What did you end up thinking about all of the Transformers and, you know, especially the way that they pull them off on screen, you you know, whether it's Optimus or Bumblebee or, um, you know, Megatron and and Starscream. From the very beginning, Bumblebee became my favorite. I I know it's sort of the stock answer, I guess, either Bumblebee or Optimus, most people would say, I guess. But uh, I loved that I had no idea they were going to use music or, you know, news voices to be Bumblebee's voice that I I had no idea he had had his um, vocal box damaged in battle beforehand. And that was why I just went, oh, that's genius. And thought it was so funny, especially in the scenes where Sam is getting to know um, Megan Fox's character and the car is interfering with the music and, you know, playing things like Baby Come Back. Just cracked me up. Baby, come back. You can play yeah. it all. Yeah. Uh, so, it, yeah, Bumblebee was my favorite, but I especially loved the um, the the characters that you get that are all part of the Autobots, I think, work so well together and each playing a different role, sort of like you would have in a party in, like, D&D or something. Um, you know, like, mm-hmm. you have your weapons guy, you have your medic, you have your um, leader in Optimus Prime. I, no, I really agree with you. I, I, I do. I love Bumblebee. I love the way they make him talk in the film. You know, I, I love that they have, you know, Ahura saying, you know, message from Starfleet captain <laughs> to like, um, I also love that they have him use, um, John Wayne when they get back into the, you know, the car for the first time after, you know, you have the guts to get in the car. Um, I love that moment. Uh, you know, I think they do a really good job. You know, part of that is the fact that, Peter Cullen, you know, had already voiced Optimus Prime in the 80s cartoon. And so to have his voice, it just, you know, it feels right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Robert Orsi and and Alex Kurtzman, who do um, Star Trek 09, uh, they wrote this story and the screenplay. So it makes sense that, you know, they would throw in a a few little Star Trek references by, uh, you know, how Bumblebee speaks and you know I agree with you all of the I really enjoyed all of the um, other Autobots you know um, we don't get as much personality for the unfortunately I feel like the the Decepticons you know uh, Hugo Weaving is playing Megatron and that's great yeah I love Um, him but you know I don't feel like we just get as much of him or like Starscream as we would want to have to really make them pop off of screen as like vibrant characters as much as obviously we get with the Transformers. Um, I will say there is the moment, I think there are a couple of things that, you know, with the Transformers that 
are a little obnoxious. And one of them I really didn't like when Bumblebee was peeing on Agent Simmons. Yeah, that was just kind of dumb. I could have done without that. Um, whereas when Mojo's scared and he's marketing his territory on um, Ironhide, that was funny. So Right. Um, you know, I just... Uh, there were some things like that where I felt like, you know, you just kind of pushed uh, the the point of a joke a little bit too far or I just gave a joke to a moment that you didn't need. But all in all, I have to say, you know, rewatching this movie, the effects with the Transformers and the way they did things was excellent. You know, the, mm-hmm. when they are, you know, having that chase scene on the freeway um, and, you know, they're transforming in and out of their vehicle you know form to fight each other um there's some great practical effects that they use uh on on that as well you know when they blow apart the bus and stuff like that that's real so it gives it a weight and a reality to it i thought that was great um and i just enjoyed any time the transformers were transforming mm-hmm. you know it just looked really cool and so and i think this movie, as opposed to some of the other movies, Bay doesn't quite, everything's not always close up, so you can get to see them transform a little bit more, you know, the, the how all of the parts are moving around and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in later films, I remember him kind of pushing in too close, so you just really couldn't get the full effect, but yeah, all in all, you know, the idea of bringing Transformers to live action, I feel like they pull it off really well in this movie. I agree. And I, I think what I enjoyed the most, too, was seeing all of the different possible vehicles they could become. Uh, I loved that uh, both Megatron and one of the other Decepticons went back and forth into being like fighter jets. And looking so much like the others that they were getting interspersed and then shooting back at each other. Um, I I loved when Megatron decided to just transform into it looked even like an X-Wing kind of to me and fly out of the bunker that he was in. Um, So I, I think that they did a great job with the computer graphics of making them look Um, as best as possible, making all of the metallic pieces look very reflective and metal, even though it was all, you know, three-dimensional. I I think that uh, it was, like you were saying, a a little bit annoying when they would have the lame joke here and there, but overall it wasn't too bad with that. But I, I think that I've also got a lot of enjoyment from this watching it after going on the 4D ride, Transformers ride at uh, Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. Um, So if anybody hasn't done that yet, do it. Because, I mean, it's amazing. You feel like you're part of this fight at the end of this movie. Um, So I think it's cool because it now brings all of this weight of it back to me of feeling like you're really part of the action even if you haven't done the ride yeah i mean something that blew me away as as researching is that you know ilm does most of the effects for the movie um and there was a point where the the vfx were so staggering um and so complex that it was taking 38 hours to render just one frame of movement 
So they had to increase their processing facilities so that they could actually do this job. And it just shows you how much they were doing in this movie and, and what it took to put this together. And I think it pays off. You know, for me, the action in this movie, you know, say what you will about Michael Bay, but in this movie, he... The action in this movie is always kinetic. It's always telling a story. It looks amazing. Like, mm-hmm. this movie looks so good. The way it's shot, the way it's framed. Um, there are some quick moments. Like, there's the that wonderful, like, slow-mo moment where, and this is a good slow-mo, um, where both Sam and Michaela have been knocked down on the ground and he kind of like reaches out for her hand and they kind of see each other and there's this wonderful lens flare, you know, and it's like, it's just really beautiful action and filmmaking. And so it it just, that's something I really appreciate about this movie, regardless of, of the rest of the, the series. This one, I feel like knew exactly what it was doing in the action sense. And I enjoyed, I can't think of any of the action sequences that I don't still enjoy watching. Yeah. And I, and I remembered too, the, uh, the overhead shot of like a spaghetti junction of Optimus and Megatron fighting in the midst of all of these interstates intertwining was amazing. So I, I completely agree. I don't think there were any action scenes that I didn't enjoy either. Yeah. Um, and two, you know, I, I I appreciated that I felt like this movie, they, you know, they inserted great music, you know, mm-hmm. like you were talking about with Bumblebee using the music and everything there. I thought that was great. Um, but I also, I, I enjoy the score for this movie. Um, Steve Jabolski has done a lot of scores these days now, but I really like his score here. I like his theme for, you know, the Autobots Um, Mm -hmm. and he had a great theme for the military in this movie, and I think it just did a good job of kind of bringing everything together, because, I mean, this is like a... I forgot how big this movie is, you know, from going to, in the movie, you know, Qatar with the military Mm -hmm. to traveling all over, you know, the southwest of the United States. It's it's big. It's fat. Like, it's awesome. And I think... um, the score lives up to that. It's kind of exactly what you need um, music-wise to um, make you feel triumphant when you need to or scared when you need to. Like it's, I, I was listening to it today and I was just really enjoying even without the movie. It, it's good stuff. Especially toward the end, I think that it does an excellent job of working in with the all of the action sequences, because I think when you get heavy, heavy action, it's hard to figure out sometimes what music to put with it to be appropriate, but Mm -hmm. not um, drowning out what's going on. And I think too, if you notice a lot of the songs um, that they intertwine in this movie, it's a lot more of the heavy rock stuff, but it fit for it being what year it was. Yes. Yep. Like bringing in Linkin Park. Now I'm kind of like eh, Linkin Park. So high school. But I mean, at the time, that was what was big. And I mean, especially now to the, the fact that Chester from Linkin Park is gone. I think that it's more meaningful. And it they've always had very like heavy, emotional sounding music. 
um, you know, like Numb um, is a great song. So I think that this one fit in there with everything very well, too. Yeah. No, I agree with you. You know, talking through the movie, what what do you think that you would rate this first Transformers? That was hard at first because I I don't want to rate something too high when maybe I do have some drawbacks for me, but it, I still just come out to nine out of 10 for me. I'll say nine out of 10 tiny frenzy robots. Yeah. You know, if I, I think that this movie is 3.75 out of five broken fountains. Okay. Like in the yard fountains. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> From all because, the earthquakes. Um, yeah. You know, uh, this movie doesn't, I mean, there's there are a couple, we mentioned, you know, talking about the idea of, you know, the, the theme of, of sacrifice, which I think, you know, I really appreciated. Again, re-watching this movie, I was actually surprised to not have remembered that that's such a big part of the film. And I think it's a good theme, you know, the, the idea of, a teenage boy, you know, um, learning about this idea of putting other people and other things before himself um, in a world that seems intent on telling our students that no matter what it is, it's all about them. You know, that was just kind of nice to be reminding. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, we were talking about it as being backed up by the military. Um, you know, uh, it's I don't know. It's hard um, because I feel like this could be four and a half. I mean, four out of five. But I think three point seven five is where I'd land. You know, um, it's almost a four out of five. But it's not quite there. But that's I'm not taking anything. I, I think everything I've said about this movie has been pretty good. You know, except for some of the jokes that don't land, um, like you mentioned. And otherwise, though, it is a movie that I still enjoy watching. Um, and you know, don't mind popping in every once in a while and just having a great time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only thing, and this is probably why it doesn't get four uh, out of five. I do think the movie could be a little bit shorter. Okay. So, um, I do think that they could have maybe found some ways to trim the movie a little bit so that it's not quite as long. I don't think it needs to be as long as it is, but. Again, you know, I, I still, I still come back to the fact I had so much fun rewatching this movie. So it's definitely rewatchable anytime you want. It's not like you have to be in a mood where you're like emotionally prepared to watch something really intense or anything. It's fun. It feels like something that we've all been through in life. You know, with this growing up being a big part of the story, and then the sacrifice as well. Um, and even, I mean, even though his parents are a small part of it, the sacrifices that parents make for their children, you know, I, I, I like that they have that his dad is not just going to outright buy him a brand new car, that he's going to make him work for it a little and that he's going to teach him about, you know, you're not going to get the Porsche for your first car. I'm going to make you get what we can afford or what you can afford as a 16 year old and, you know, work for it and eventually earn a nicer car if you can. Um, So I think that Mm -hmm. there were so many things that made me love this movie and make it so easy to rewatch. 
Um, the only thing I think that drew back for me a little was the lubrication joke with, you know, um, Bumblebee peeing on Simmons. I agree with you about that. Um, I also yeah. kind of felt like <laughs> with Megan Fox that um, I know, obviously, it's Sam's story, but more toward the end, she didn't have quite as much to do um, other than like the tow truck scene with Bumblebee. So I. I kind of wish that she could have been a little more involved in the action in that final fight, but still, I mean, small potatoes. Yeah, I can, I'm not see what you're saying, you know, and I was, I was glad of what they did give her to do because yeah. it was utilizing her skills. You know, the fact that her dad and was a car thief, you know, and um, so she knew how to, to do that. And two, I, I appreciated that she was integral into saving those um soldiers lives yeah you know her coming in with bumblebee is is a big part of them the fact that you know uh lawrence so uh, gets to go home so i i liked that um but no i could i anytime you can get um a, a you know one of your main characters more involved I, I totally agree so really fun though talking about this i'll be excited to to get to Bumblebee uh, later on this year and see what we think of that one um, together. It'll be the second time I've seen it by that point. But uh, we've got some great stuff coming up here for you on the 602 Club in the next few weeks, so don't miss it. Um, I've already seen it. Christy hasn't, but I'll be seeing it again too. Uh, Shazam's coming out soon. And then um, just FYI, there will be a couple times within the next month two months actually where we will take like a one week break just because of scheduling um christy and i will both be at star wars celebration uh, next month so mm -hmm. um there will be a week where you'll miss a show uh and then may i'm going to be out of town and there will be a week where we just won't end up being able to have a show because i won't be able to record so um, but it's just that part of time of the year. You got some traveling coming in, but we've got some amazing stuff coming up. I'll just I'll just give people a hint. Mm -hmm. We've got Watchmen coming up, which is really cool. We're gonna finally cover Zack Snyder's Watchmen, Christie's first time. Mm -hmm. uh, Shazam. We're gonna continue Mission Impossible. We've got another Star Wars book coming out. Uh, Avengers Endgame, and then we're gonna get into some monster movies. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be pretty exciting. Um. But um, we want to say thank you so much to our associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. Thank you so much for supporting the network and being part of our team here, making sure that the 602 Club comes to you each and every week, as well as everything else that's going on here at Trek FM. Now, this is a huge network, and we really do need your support to make sure that all of the shows keep coming to you. Go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can become part of our team. We have great perks for you that come at different contribution levels, but honestly, every little bit helps. So again, it's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, Christy, um, if anybody wants to catch up with you, of course, be following you. 
as we both go to Star Wars Celebration so you can see all the news, where can people find you? Yeah, be sure to follow that, especially in April. Obviously, April 9th through the 16th, I will be in Chicago, but uh, the convention is the 11th through the 15th. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then I'll also, of course, always be around for the Babel Conference on Facebook. Um, and then in addition to doing this show, of course, co-hosting with Matt, uh, I am on once a month on the Star Wars Report, um, where I do a monthly segment called Star Wars Fashion in Five for both men's and women's stuff. So uh, make sure you check that out, too. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd under the name MattRushing02. Uh, you can find me here on the network doing the orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I am on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Owl Post, and I do that with Drea Kaufman, where we're talking about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. And then I'm also doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills as we talk all about Star Wars each and every week. It has been a blast doing that show for so long with him. Is Yeah, just diving into a Star Wars topic with a good friend is phenomenal. So I hope you'll listen. And then last but not least, doing cinema stories with my good friend Courtney. And that is where we talk about films through the lens of faith. But we want to say thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Thank <laughs> you.